Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I'm really privileged to be your host coming to you from the Judean Mountains in Israel. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new and unique and meaningful. And I pray that you will find this all three of those. Through this program, we're really excited to be able to connect you with people and stories related to and about Israel to give you a window to look through about aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know. We want this to be very much interactive, even though it's a podcast, and always encourage you to be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com or through our website, genesis123.co, and through that, send your feedback and definitely send any uh, comments or questions. And most certainly, definitely feel free to share this with other people who you know would be uh, blessed by it. I'm really excited to have a friend who is a pastor who I respect tremendously uh, join us here as our guest for a really interesting dialogue. Pastor Mark Biltz is the senior pastor and founder of El Shaddai Ministries in Washington State. He's a well-known and popular commentator on the Feast of the Lord and has produced series of DVDs um, on the feasts that have gone around the world, as is his ministry. His research and theories have earned him guest appearances on radio and television, as well as uh, news, uh, print magazines and newspapers, and, th- and all over the internet. He, he has really been the founder of what's blossomed in the last decade as a movement to understand the significance of the biblical calendar that we're going to speak about today, and how that overlays with modern, hist- with modern occurrences and, uh, and, and biblical prophecies. One of the things that I'm so impressed, uh, it, it was an overlay, and, and maybe, maybe he'll tell the story um, certainly better than I. He revealed a link between the charts in uh, uh, the, sol- the solar uh, and lunar, the charts of the solar and lunar eclipses from NASA's website and overlaid that with Israel's history and how that coincided with the biblical feasts. And one of the things that I, there, there's so many things that I, uh, really love and admire so much about Pastor Mark. One of them is how he's never saying that I recognize this and therefore that. What he's telling us is, is we need to keep our eyes open. These are signs from God, and we need to keep our eyes open as if they're road signs. Um, as I said, he's been all over the world. Um, he's been interviewed by radio stations, um, uh, Canada, the U.S., many, many other countries. I don't know if this is the first Israel-based program, but if it is, then I'm, then I'm truly honored and blessed for that. Um, the one piece that I just wanted to add, and it's really much more personal, is when I think of Pastor Mark, I can't help myself, but even though I know he's not a rabbi, I keep wanting to call him Rabbi Mark. He's so in, engrossed with and knowledgeable of Jewish traditions as a pastor, that I have to say in full candor, there are a lot of Jews who don't know what he knows. And it's really quite incredible and and special to have Pastor Mark Biltz join us today um, to share some of why Israel is significant to Christians and why it should be. Pastor Mark, welcome, and thank you for taking time to join us. Well, thank you so much. It's so great to be with you, as always. As always, thank God, right? It's been, we, we've had the privilege of doing this uh, a number of times. Uh, you, I, I, I set up in the, in the introduction something that's really true. Uh, unique is a word that sometimes we throw around when we don't necessarily have another adjective, but you are. And, and your vision and how other people have adopted that and written books as a result of what you, uh, of what you, uh, un, un, unveiled has been quite significant and therefore it really is unique we've just completed we're here we're going to talk today about why israel is so significant to christians and why it should be and there's some uh, some perhaps more traditional questions that i'd like to get into but before we do that you're you have the ability to to address it from the perspective 
of the significance of the biblical calendar, what some people call the Jewish calendar. And we've just completed the cycle of the uh, biblical festivals um, during the month of Tishrei, uh, including Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, not a festival, but a biblical uh, a, a holiday all the same, and Sukkot followed by Shemini Yatzeret and Simchat Torah. What's significant? Help, help maybe by way of introduction to yourself, why is that important? Why should a Christian listening care at all about the Jewish holidays other than the fact when, that when their kids in public school might get days off that they don't know about? Wow, that's a, that's a, I could talk for an hour about that. So I will uh, limit it to basically Genesis one fourteen, when God said He created the sun, the moon, and the stars. It says specifically, number one, it was for signs. It wasn't just yes. light and heat. Uh, and then it says for uh, seasons, days, and years. Well, the problem is the English language. Because the Hebrew word that is translated as season, in Leviticus 23, it's translated as feast. So what does the Hebrew word mean, fall or food? Uh, And so both, I believe, translations are uh, inaccurate. Uh, The word moed means an appointed time. So God created the sun and the moon specifically for his calendar, which is why on the biblical calendar, a month starts with the new moon. And this is why Passover, Sukkot, is at the full moon. Everything is based on uh, these cycles. Well, the reason why Christians need to be aware of God's calendar, because just like it uh, says that uh, the sons of Issachar understood the time, so they knew what the children of Israel ought to do. Uh, and for Christians who are listening in the Red Hadashah, it mentions how we're to know the times and seasons. Well, it's not talking about winter, spring, summer, or fall. It's specifically right. talking about knowing God's times, understanding God's times. And I know uh, a lot of people, uh, Christians that are listening, are interested in prophecy. Well, in uh, Zechariah 8, roughly 16 through 20, it talks about the different fasts of the fourth month, the fifth month, the seventh month, you know, the tenth month, and if how they are going to change from fast days to feast days. Well, how right. will they know when the prophecy is fulfilled if they don't even know when they happen on our calendar? Wow, right. That's amazing. That's amazing. And and so I, you know, I I'm Jewish. I grew up Jewish. I always refer to it as the Jewish calendar, but actually over the last two decades in, in building bridges between Jews and Christians, as, as I've been blessed to do, I understand that it's, yeah, it's our calendar and we follow it to the letter of the law, but it's much more significant to it. As you just said, it's for signs. This is, and I, and I, by the way, and I love, I have to comment. I don't think I've ever heard you say it, but it, it must've been in your book and I just missed it. That God created the sun and the moon for his calendar. It wasn't exactly. d- simply right. Right. Without that, we wouldn't, well, without that, we wouldn't know for that matter that we're in the year 5782 and the significance of all, when, when the holidays are coming and, and what that means. Um, what, what, we, we've gone a couple of years uh, already beyond when the significant milestone of the blood moons took place. And you wrote extensively about that. I remember I, I read your book. I, it was one of the books that I underlined and highlighted the most since college, and uh, th- that's past. What's coming? What, what, what is something that we need to be looking for as these road, ma- road signs on the road that God's put out there for us? Well, that's a great question. Uh, and uh, like you said, a lot of people wrote books about what I said, and they were prognosticating and saying all kinds of things that I never did say. Uh, but for <laughs> me, uh, I really believe those were signs from heaven, yes. from God. But I always said, hey, let me know what you think it means. I, I'm not here to interpret it. I just know God's ringing our doorbell, you know. Uh, and so for me, looking back now, this has this happened at the end of a Shemitah cycle and the beginning of a new Shemitah cycle. Uh, and so I really believed that they were signs that the next Shemitah cycle 
which is going to begin next Rosh Hashanah, because we're now entering the seventh year of a Shemitah cycle right now. And so the first year of a new cycle begins next Rosh Hashanah. And I think just like uh, Joseph's dream, where Joseph, there was a seven year of plenty before the seven years of famine. I believe that that was a warning of a seven year time frame that we've gone through to prepare for this next seven year time frame. And so it'll be interesting uh-huh. to see how things unfold because there are more solar lunar eclipses that are happening in this next seven year cycle that are really mind blowing biblically when they fall. Well, like you, I'm not a prophet, but I, I feel pretty confident and based on what you just said that some people are going to write some books about what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure if anyone was right last time. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily investing. Well, I also like to jokingly say we are truly a nonprofit ministry. <laughs> um, amen to that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm, and, and, and it's one of the reasons that I admire and, and have such affection um, for you. So, right. And, and we are beginning the new Shemitah for those who don't know, Shemitah is the sabbatical year where, we're, among other things, we let the land rest here in Israel, and we just uh, we just released a, a few weeks ago a podcast with an Orthodox rabbi here in Israel about what that means, not from a prophetic perspective, but just how do we how do we do that? What does it mean in Israel when you're not supposed to uh, cultivate the land, and how and how rabbinic um, modern rabbinic interpretations allow us to sort of coexist as a country of 9 million people and, and and still be able to benefit from the fruit, but much more to it than that. And that's not the topic of the conversation. Um, let, let me rewind a bit. Um, I know in terms of a little bit about your history, where you grew up in the Midwest and, and when you went to Washington um, to become pastor and, and eventually uh, founder of El Shaddai uh, Ministries, at what point in your life did you connect the significance of Israel um, to your faith as a Christian? Well, uh, what's fascinating, I am Jewish on my father's side. I've had, yeah, as a matter of fact, in my hand is the Passover Haggadah in Hebrew and English that we would use as a kid growing up. Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I have relatives who died in the Holocaust, Bilses, that are listed in Yad Vashem, if you go to Yad Vashem. But it's on my father's side. It's not on my mother's side. And uh, so we would do a Passover Seder. What was interesting, see, my ancestor uh, was a uh, reformed, secular, (laughs) basically Jew from France, Alsace-Lorraine area, married to a nice Jewish lady, had some kids, but he was tired of being a poor Jewish tailor. uh, And so he fled to America with a Catholic lady that was very rich uh, and had my grandpa. And uh, he ended up leaving her going back to France. Uh, His wife wanted nothing to do with him at that time. So he lived with his son. Uh, But anyway, so what happens, my grandpa uh, is raised Catholic, by this Catholic lady, uh, but knew his dad was Jewish. Okay. So he, so he raised my dad. My dad was therefore raised Catholic, uh, but he ended up marrying my mom, who's a Protestant. And so here I have a Catholic dad, a Protestant mom, and we're doing the Passover Seder to remember our (laughs) Jewish roots. (laughs) Did you do that from from young childhood? No, more from high school. We would more from high school. When I was about in high school, we did that for several years. Uh, So that was what really was kind of had the inside connection because uh, we would always talk about the Jewish people, though. We would always talk about Israel, not necessarily doing the Passover. Uh, But that so Israel was always a big part of uh, my life. I always loved the Tanakh uh, for Christians. That's the Old Testament. Uh, But so I always was connected. But then in around 1993, my wife bought me a book by a Jewish rabbi. His name was Moshe Braun, and it was on the Feast of the Lord. And 
she knew I loved it. I would love it. So I bought it and I read it and it blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. I had never read anything by a Jewish rabbi before. I didn't wow. know any Jewish rabbis. I grew up in a town of 800 German Catholics. Okay. And so <laughs> there, uh, so many of them were Jewish though, come to find out when you look at their last names, but it was all hidden. It was just a bunch of Catholics, 800 people. And so I, we had no contact with the outside world as I was growing up. And then all of a sudden now uh, I'm in my twenties and I'm reading this book by a Jewish rabbi and it blew my mind. I thought, Oh my goodness, this is important. This needs to, you know, be learned. And so that really is what started me on uh, my journey. What was it, but what was it about reading a book about the biblical festivals from a Jewish rabbi for the first time where, where, as we say in Hebrew, the or the, the translation where the penny fell, where you, where it clicked. What, what about that? Because I saw the heart of the Jewish people. Uh, I, I saw the the insight, the wisdom. The it was like, oh my goodness, this is so rich. It wasn't just biblical head knowledge. It was. Oh my goodness, the Jewish people love God. <laughs> I mean, it almost sounds ridiculous, but it is like. Oh, my goodness, they have a phenomenal connection. Now, what I like to tell Christians is in the Bible, we all know in the Brit Hadashah, New Testament, it says we see through a glass darkly. We only know in part, and every Christian will admit that. Well, in Romans chapter 11, it says that Israel was only blinded in part. So we're both partially blinded. And I believe the first group to humble themselves and look out of the other lens will see a clearer picture uh, because we all look at things to our own perspective. And just like husbands need to hear their wife's perspective, uh, we need to hear our kids' perspective. Uh, I believe Christians, if they really want to grow in their faith, they need to humbly study the Bible from a Jewish perspective, and the whole world is going to open up to them. It's All of a sudden, you'll see the Bible in full color 3D. It's amazing. Right. It's, I, I, I know you've been here a number of times and, and led tours um, but I always love when I'm when I'm hosting Christians who are here. It doesn't even have to be for the first time. Uh, every time is a new experience, and I'm very careful not to suggest that it's faith building because that suggests that one might not have faith. But it expands one's dimension of one's faith to be able to see to, to see the uh, country and understand it. So, actually, on that note, and again, it goes back to the introduction. You're unique. Maybe you can give me a. Pastor Mark Bilt's unique answer, but maybe something that's more <laughs> generic. What what about modern Israel? What scriptures uh, come to mind as it relates sure. to modern Israel? Well, uh, I have many, but I'll just limit it to a few here. <laughs> I can't help but think of Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6, where it says, He will cause those that come from Jacob to take root. Israel will blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. And we see that happening. And then one of my favorites, though, is Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, verse 8 through 12, where God is speaking to the mountains of Israel. And he says, you're going to shoot forth your branches. You're going to yield your fruit to my people, Israel, for they're coming. You know, they're at hand to come. Behold, I'm for you. I'll turn to you. You're going to be tilled and sown. I'll multiply men on you. All the house of Israel, even all of it, and the cities are going to be inhabited. The waste places will be built. I'll multiply on you, man and beast. And it goes on. And he says, I'll do better unto you than at your beginnings. And you're going to know that I'm the Lord. And then a couple more is Amos. Everyone's familiar with Amos chapter 9, verse 14 and 15, where God says, I'm going to bring again the captivity of my people Israel. They'll build the way cities. They'll inhabit them. They'll plant vineyards. They'll drink the wine. They'll make gardens, eat the fruit. I'll plant them. And here's my favorite part. I will plant them on their land and they shall no more be pulled out of their land, which I've given them. But then I'll conclude with this verse, which is very prophetic and speaks to our day, very modern Israel. God says in Joel, in those days, I will bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. 
And then he says, I'm going to gather all nations and I'll bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will plead with them there for my people, for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. God is going to judge every nation that is involved with dividing the land of Israel, dividing Jerusalem. And so this is where the Christians and all the nations had better be on the right side and not seeing a divided Jerusalem. That's awesome. Or Israel. But now leave it right, Jerusalem and Israel. Um, leave it to me, the Orthodox Jew, to ask a probing question in terms of the New Testament. What's what, you know, a lot of people, the early church was rife with replacement theology. Huge. Um, and there's still, right? And there's still, there's still strains of that among people who call themselves Christians. But where in the New Testament, here, te- te- teach me as an Orthodox Jew. Where are the where are the um, scriptural references that say Israel is significant and and um, always will be significant? It's all through the New Testament. Okay. The problem is we don't people don't even see it. For example, in the last book, the book of Revelation, it talks about the New Jerusalem, and there is no Protestant gate. There's no Catholic gate. It mentions the twelve tribes of Israel or uh. the gates to get in. And so there isn't a Baptist gate. There isn't a Pentecostal gate. Okay. (laughs) The Christians are supposedly grafted into Israel. Uh, Romans chapter 11 uh, talks about how the the wild branches are grafted in and they're not to exalt themselves in pride and think that they've replaced the natural branches. They haven't at all. But the big problem, Jonathan, is the English translation. Do you believe our media is biased? Well, the media is biased because the media doesn't know. Well, the same thing. The translators were biased. I can give Correct. you verses, even in the King James, where they intentionally mistranslated words into English. And that's shocking to most Christians. But here's one of the perfect example. Uh, the word ecclesia or ecclesia is to be translated as the word assembly. But they wanted to create something different from the synagogue, so they took that word and made it be church. And so synagogue became a synagogue, but it also meant assembly. So a baseball game is an ecclesia. All these people are assembled together. It's a synagogue in one sense. But listen to what God. the trans listen to what the translators did in. Uh, most of the Gospels in the New Testament, they took Ecclesia and translated it as church. But in Acts chapter 19, it talks about all these pagans worshiping the great goddess Diana for three and a half hours or so. And then it says, and then they dismissed the Ecclesia. Oh, no, we can't put church now because they'll think the church was worshiping Diana. <laughs> so now we're going to translate it correctly as assembly. So then they translate it as assembly. They'll pick and choose uh, how they want to translate right. it. Now, let's take a, a look at the word synagogue, which is translated as synagogue in some places in the New Testament. But guess what? In the book of James, and there was no James. His name was Jacob. You can look at the Greek. It was Yaakov that they translate as Jacob in the Gospels. But now they want to translate it as James. It talks about uh, if one comes into your assembly with real rich clothing, don't give them preference over the poor guy, right? Well, guess what? The word is synagogue. Oh, my goodness. We don't want anyone to think they're meeting in a synagogue. So we're going to translate synagogue as assembly. But then in the book of Revelation, it talks about those who are of the synagogue of Satan. Well, the word synagogue, how come they don't put assembly of Satan there? Why, why, if they did that over here in this book, because now they want to equate the synagogue with Satan. And so there are uh, definite bias in the English translations, which, and I can give you many more. Well, and, and, and my answer to you was they didn't understand your your point is that there's deliberate mistranslation and there's so many different translations that aren't even based on the original. So unfortunately, it's sometimes when I when I read English translations and, and sadly, they're more uh, in a Christian Bible, yeah. I'm feeling like I'm playing that game. Remember, we played when we were children called Telephone where you would whisper oh, right, something right. to somebody yeah. it, where you just so the message doesn't stay 
to 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 its true intention. And you're reminding me, and I want to mention this. I, I'm still looking for this guy. I graduated Emory University in 1987. I'm looking for a guy named Tim who graduated a couple of years uh, after me. He was the only non-Jewish person studying in my Hebrew language class. And he was the son of a pastor. And I said, why? You know, I was a 20, maybe 20 years old from New Jersey, never really interacted with Christians, certainly didn't understand Christianity or why Christianity would have any interest in Israel and the Jewish people. And this guy, Tim, in my Hebrew class says, yeah, I want to be able to study the Bible in its original language. And I thought he was just a (laughs) lunatic. But now I want to find this guy, Tim, because he's so interesting to me. I understand what he understood. And I want to see what he's done with his life in the last 30 years, but you, you embody that you understand the significance of every letter in the Torah and how it needs to be translated and, 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 and not to debunk Christianity, but to add dimension. Of course. And I'll give you another perfect example. I would not go to China to study uh, the history of Mexico. Okay, well, you don't study English to know all about Israel or the Bible. You need to go back and look at the original language, the original culture. And one perfect example, and again, I don't know how much you are aware of the Gospels of the New Testament, but in there, when uh, Yeshua slash Jesus was about to die, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, you know, he also tells Peter that before the cock crows, he will have deny him three times. Well, every Christian sees a rooster crowing, but that had nothing to do with it. When you read the Talmud, you'll find out there was a priest called the Giver who was the rooster who would call out three times. I had the exact words of what he would said to call everyone to begin the temple services. Mm-hmm. And so wow. it wasn't, if you think it was a rooster, it doesn't affect your theology, but it's not authentic. You need to realize it wow. was a title like a manager or the general. So it was a priest who was called the rooster or geeber uh, that would call for the morning services. So this is why Christians need to understand the culture so they can have authenticity added to their faith. Absolutely. I, I, I again, I, I love that. And among, among friends, I say, and it's not, it's not in a, in a negative way, but unfortunately in the early church, Christianity was hijacked and, and you and others, and you and others like you, are bringing that back, and that's really important. Um, let's let's come back. I mean, this is amazing. And like I, I said before we started, we, there was no script per se, and so therefore it was likely we're going to go off script, and we've we've done that really well. Um, but but um, and maybe this will just be a setup for having you back for other conversations. Um, coming back to the to modern Israel, if you will. Sure. Um, again, this is sort of a setup for you because it was so much of what you're your book on the blood moons was about, but where do you see, and, and I, I know, but for people who are listening and don't know, um, where the, the history of modern Israel connects so significantly with, with scripture? Well, uh, again, I think it's those scriptures that I had given, but that when you look at a nation being born in a day, I mean, that fulfilled prophecy. And uh, you see a nation that was a desert, all of a sudden blossoming and blooming again, fulfilling prophecy. Here you have a people group that were scattered among all nations, okay, revive a dormant language, and all of a sudden that's come back again. But here's the the modern Israel, though, that I see that I uh, am concerned about. I see a nation that desperately wants to be recognized by the nations of the world, Okay. Okay. They want this recognition as being a great contributor to society. Whenever I see Israel, they, I mean, they want to defend themselves. Look, look how we contribute to, to science. Look how we contribute to all of these different fields. But the thing is this, I see they really have yet to recognize Hashem and say, 
rather than my hand has gotten me this power and this wealth. But no, I recognize that it's Hashem that has done this. It wasn't the power of their hand. And so once, in one sense, I, I see Israel as a huge fulfillment of prophecy. And I know in one sense, they were brought back in 48. They weren't religious. They were, you know, uh, more secular. Uh, but I Correct. believe that God is going to do something uh, where uh, I want people to sanctify the name. That's what I want to see Israel do. I, I really believe the important thing that Israel needs to do is rather than sanctifying the name of Israel, which is what they want to do, look how, look, love us, please, because look at all of our contributions. They need to fulfill their role in uh, sanctifying the name, magnifying the Torah, making it honorable. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. I, I love that. And that's going to definitely be another conversation and maybe not for a Christian audience, but in fact, rather to have Pastor Mark preach to Israel, um, because I think that's a message that we need. You're reminding me of the um, penultimate book of the what the one, the founder of modern Zionism, Theodor Herzl, who wrote his book called The Jewish State, and and Herzl was a secular uh, Jew in in uh, the Austria-Hungarian Empire. Um, brilliant man, did a whole lot of incredible uh, work in his short 44 years. Um, but his whole boiling down the Jewish state was that we would be a state like every other state. His, his um, a catalyst of this was recognizing that there was anti-Semitism and therefore if we could be on our own and independent that, and, and we would then be a light unto the nations in a very different way which is fine. It's good to be recognized, but I think you're 100% right that we need a, uh, a, a hefty dose of, of God overlaying that, that we don't, that none yes. of this could have happened without God. And exactly. people need to recognize exactly. that. It's, exactly. I, I, we, I, we have to come back. We have to have that conversation um, because it's so important. I understand it. And, you know, when I'm doing something as mundane as driving to Jerusalem to go shopping or pick up my kids in a carpool, whatever it may be, I try to be, and especially even if I'm sitting stuck in traffic, I try to be mindful, ah, but I'm stuck in traffic in the unified capital of the state of the Jewish people that got right. And I, but, but that's not something, and maybe if we can infuse that here, we'll be in a much better, uh, a much better place. Um, because it, certainly as an individual's, we need to recognize God in our lives, how much more so this state of Israel that has no, um, no, no numerical odds that anyone would ever put. Exactly. Uh, right. Correct. Um, something you were saying before I was going to do a shameless plug for you. And whenever, uh, whenever we're allowed to bring tourists back here and, oh, and you you're able to off. lead your. Uh, okay. You're um, back. I'm back. Okay. So I was going to do a shameless plug for you. And when you're able to lead trips here again, because I know that they're insightful and you bring, because your ministry is in fact global, you're bringing people from all over, um, all over to, to join. Um, I, I maybe speak to you for yourself for a moment, but also when you bring groups, what's sure. the vision? What do you want Christians to come away with that's unique coming here? I want them to connect with the land of Israel, with the people of Israel. So we don't do your normal Christian tour. We go right. mostly to the West Bank area. I want to take them to Stay Rote. I want to uh, take them uh, to Beersheba. I want to take them to Hebron. I want to take them to Shiloh, Mount Gerizim, Mount Ebal. So I want them to see the real Israel. I mean, sure, we do Jerusalem. You know, we do the Sea of Galilee area, the Dead Sea but for me, uh, our group, we've gone on military bases, put on military clothing, and actually help clean the base. Okay, right. we go to the Knesset, and we'll have, uh, you know, Knesset speakers lead a Bible study with us. I mean, this is incredible. We'll go to the schools. We'll go up to Shiloh, where David Rubin is, and uh, we will watch the kids in their school. And uh, they're singing the scriptures. Uh, but, you know, but for me, 
those are the kind of things that I want people from all over the world connected to is the real heartbeat of Israel, not just some uh, dumb site. Got it. Okay. Well, that's so, so I want to underscore, I think I probably invited you and certainly if I had, well, whether I have or haven't, whenever the next time uh, it is that you're back um, and, and you mentioned coming to the West Bank, Judea and Samaria, uh, among the lists, you have to bring your uh, your group here. Um, we've had busloads of Christian tourists show up for Shabbat for Friday night, and friends take a couple of guests and uh, across the board for the for the Christian tourists and for my Jewish friends, it's always a highlight that people ask. But it I have always. to tell you, since I've seen you and spoken to you, I don't know if you know this. We moved from our house. We downsized and moved into a, a still a large apartment. We have eight, uh, six kids, so we want that there's enough space for everybody, but we downsized. We're on the top floor. I know you can picture the, the, the topography. We're on the top floor of an eight-story apartment building in Efrat, which is oh, wow. not more than yeah. 10 miles from Jerusalem. Right Now, what's amazing, you have to come and maybe even do a sleepover. The sunrise watching the sun come up from Jordan, which is about 40 kilometers from my house, yeah. with the sun illuminating the skyline of Amman. And then if I, and, and that's all with the naked eye. And then I turn a little bit to the, to the left, which is the north. And I see Jerusalem now being illuminated. No one's disproven me, but I believe it's the only place in the world that you can see the capital of two different countries in one, in one wow. snapshot. It's wow. amazing. We can see the Temple Mount with the naked eye when the sun's uh-huh. right. You can see the Golden Dome. And then certainly wow. when we pull out the binoculars, so, and, and we have a lovely, in fact, I just recorded another uh, podcast that we played earlier this month about, um, about forgiveness and repentance in the Jewish tradition beginning the month of Tishrei. And, and um, he's my next door neighbor, Rabbi Avi Baumel. We share this magnificent balcony. So we've got room for a couple of uh, El Shaddai Ministries buses. Oh. <laughs> oh, we would love that. As a matter of fact, we were scheduled to go last Hanukkah, but because of COVID, we had to cancel. So we scheduled right. to go this Hanukkah, and now we've had yes. to cancel because of the fact they're even requiring quarantine for a week, you know, yeah. uh, in addition. Yeah. To, so we're shooting right now for next uh, November, the first two weeks of November 2022. Uh, and so we well, have about hundred. Huh? No, I said, God willing, you'll be able to. A hundred people. Oh, we have at least one hundred and twenty signed up right now. Amazing! That's amazing. All right, I will, will look forward to that. Uh, to that happening. So, actually, lead maybe beginning to to wind down. We could have this conversation for for hours and hours. Um, you're 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 doing things here in Israel and showing people things that are definitely off the beaten path, not your traditional pastor's uh, tour or pilgrimage. What are the top things? If I held a gun to your head right now, and said, <laughs> Pastor Mark, you only have, three th- only have three things you can show your, 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 your ministry when you're here. What are those things and why? Well, I don't know if you went by things, what you mean, a particular site, but Jerusalem, definitely. I'd want them to see Jerusalem. Okay. Uh, and I love the Galilee. And my other favorite place is way up north, uh, Tel Dan area, where we can look into Syria, Lebanon. I, I love going, you know, uh, up to that captured Syrian mount, uh, Ben Paul, uh, and be yes. able to look uh, across. I want them to to see how close, you know, everything is. So, uh, I mean, I've been to a lot. It's a lot of fun, but it's not the heart biblical thing. So no. for, for me, it, it would be Jerusalem. And then I love the Galilee. And then of course, all the way North, uh, I want people to see, you know, Judea and Samaria, of course. I love Shiloh. And the, I can't help, but standing in Shiloh where the tabernacle was for what, 369 years right, right. there, I, you know, I love feeling the presence of God. That's what I want to do. You know, well, obviously you feel that it makes sense what you're saying. You, you feel it in Shiloh where the tabernacle sat for almost 400 years. Of yep. course, in Jerusalem, albeit that it's a modern city, 
but you've got this, you, you, you understand that what's going on. Galilee, of course. And I thought you were going to say something different about Tel Dan, because if I'm not mistaken, there's a tremendous archaeological site there. Oh, yeah. That goes oh, back. And, right. oh, I love the one. It's, it's not just where they built a, a false place to sacrifice, uh, but I love the ancient Canaanite gate. That Abraham, that's when it. That's the he one tried to cap- yeah. save Lot, and he goes through that ancient Canaanite gate to be able to look. And they tell me they didn't move any of those rocks to the original rocks they dusted off there. Uh, that has to be one of my favorite spots is right. uh, Tell Dan where uh, the ancient Abraham or uh, gate of uh, the Canaanite gate away up there. But I love, I love Hebron. I got to tell you, I love Hebron. I've been there many, many times. Yeah, I was just down there uh, in August. We did a campaign. It was really hot. We did a campaign to raise money to provide cold drinks and watermelon and ice cream for soldiers all over the country. And the first day I set out on a Friday afternoon with a a friend who's on my advisory board, and we drove down there. And we drove all the way into the Cave of the Patriarchs. And every, I don't know, 500 yards, maybe, if that. There's another military outpost keeping keeping things safe. And the joy, forget the fact that we have the patriarchs and matriarchs buried there and the land was purchased by Abraham. This is not just the place yeah. that they're buried, but it's actually titled, titled in the Bible, right? But, but it was amazing to be able to be there and, and give a little joy and appreciation to these young people. And that's 25 minutes from my house. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so okay, we'll, we'll look forward to all of that. Um, let, me, let me shift a little bit uh, more spiritually for yourself and, and for what you want other Christians to know. God tells us to, be, to, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and to be a watchman on the walls. Bless Israel, Genesis 12, 3, along with many, yeah. many other injunctions um, that Israel and his people are important to them. When, when, on a day-to-day basis, how does being a watchman and praying for the peace of Jerusalem and blessing Israel play out in your life? Well, for me, when I wake up in the morning, as far as praying, the first thing I do is the Ani. Then I say the Shema. Then I say the Amidah. You know, I mean, I want to literally connect in my heart to the people of Israel. Uh, and just fall right. in love with the Bible and the Torah. So for me, that's where I always begin as far as with prayer. Now, concerning blessing Israel, I don't do it, so I'll be blessed. So many Christians look at Genesis 12, well, hey, for bless Israel, we'll be blessed. I don't do it because of, I want to be blessed. Who wants to have a relationship with someone who says, hey, I want to use you so I can be blessed? You know, I just want to bless Israel because it's a mitzvah. It's, it's a good deed. It's something that God uh, asked us to do. So for me, uh, it's, I want Israel, and I pray for Israel because I want them to bless God. I want them uh, to return back to the Torah. And so for me, I'm praying for Israel that as a nation, they would turn back to the Torah, they would bless God, and I want to bless them, uh, not for my sake, for their sake. And what's interesting, most Christians don't know this, when it says, uh, I will bless those who curse you and curse those who curse you, you know, basically. Bless those who bless you and curse yeah, those bless who those who bless you and curse those who curse you. There are two different Hebrew words for curse. It's not the same Hebrew word. Basically, he's going to curse, as most Christians think, those who curse. But that is a different Hebrew word. It means who esteem you lightly. It's 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 not someone who uh, badly treats them. It's for it's God will curse those who think lightly of the nation of Israel. And so this wow. is why I think it's so important for Christians to realize that that you uh, had better not think lightly of the nation of Israel. No, that's amazing. Uh, That's actually really amazing. You mentioned something you you mentioned in terms of your prayer in the morning, Moda'ani and Shema Yisrael. Um, These are the foundations of our morning prayer, which we do every day. Um, Would I I suspect Shema Yisrael people might know, hear, O Lord, our God. uh, I'm not translating it well. Uh, 
The Lord our God is one, Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all right. your might. And these words I command you this day shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them thoroughly to your children and speak of them when you sit in your house. Walk on the road when you lie down and when you rise. Yep, that one. That one. And, and, and Christians know that. Christians don't necessarily know Moda'ani, which means I'm, uh, I'm grateful Basically, when for, I wake or, up, <laughs> thankful for waking me up. <laughs> right, right. And, and how, how incredible that is that we start our day with that blessing, thanking God that we're getting another day like this. Uh, and anyone who wants, anyone uh, with either through you, Pastor Mark, or anyone wants to be in touch and get more information just on those very basic um, morning prayers and, and our prayer, you alluded to it as well um, in terms of, I don't remember which, which passage from, uh, from the New Testament, but the, the reference to, uh, to the th- three roosters um, oh, right. the call to prayer. We, we, we yes. pray three times a day, formal structured prayer three times a day. Um, you may have answered this, but is there anything else? And you, you answered in the context of a specific question about, uh, about prayer and blessing Israel. Um, is there anything else that you would want Christians to know that you think that they don't know or might not know, or you haven't had the thought yet to answer that about why Israel is so significant? Well, I think what they need to know is Israel is still significant to God, okay? They have a huge role to play still uh, in the history. And for me, what Christians need to realize is they need to pray that Israel fulfills their mission that God had called them to. And so that my prayer is, is God help the nation of Israel fulfill the calling to be a light to the nations. And the other thing is this, going back to replacement theology, that's what Christians need to understand is how evil this is. Because when you think about it, I like to come, uh, go back to Moses, Moshe. And here, God was so upset at Israel, he's ready to wipe them out. Forget Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He says, Moses, will start over with you. And Moses could have thought, yeah, God, get him. Start over with me. You know, but that wasn't his attitude. His attitude was, what? There's no way, God, because look what it'll do to your name. They'll say either you're a liar uh. Or if you're not a liar, you're impotent. You weren't able to do it. And so for Christians to think that God is done with Israel, they're saying that either God is a liar or he's impotent. This is why the Christians can't go that direction. They need to side with Moses and say, no way, God, we want you to support Israel and have them fulfill their mission to sanctify your name. That's real important. And what about to what about to Jews and, and, and Israelis? What this podcast is mostly listened to by Christians, but but yeah, people. But this gets around. What do you want? <laughs> what do you want uh, us to know about why Israel is significant to you personally and Christians in general? In addition, and you've already answered that in a number of ways. But I'm wondering if there's yeah. something else that's kind of in closing that you would offer as an injunction. I think they're personally significant to me because they are personally significant to Hashem. Okay. And for me, I want to see uh, Hashem's name sanctified. And so for me, this is very significant in helping them get on track. Uh, It's like, watching a, a child in a football game or something and you want to help get them the football and help them run and cheer them on or <laughs> if they're in a track meet you want to be there running right alongside of them cheering them as they go encouraging wow. them when they fall Mike that's my goal I want them to know there are people here that are for you they're, they're supporting you and, and they want you to fulfill the biblical mission that God has called you to I love that thank you that's uh that's really uplifting to me, and albeit that we're at the conclusion of this awesome season of the festivals, it's yes. uh, as the twilight goes on uh, on the month of Tishrei, uh, it's it's a very powerful and important message, and I'm grateful to you for that. Um, Pastor Mark Bilt, uh, I, I want to just wrap up with a couple of announcements, um, but thank you so much. Uh, this has been enlightening, and I hope that Everyone listening has been um, uh, inspired and, and educated, and, and that this is the, as I said 
at the outset, the beginning of a dialogue, an ongoing dialogue, and I invite people to, to be in touch. So thank you for, for, for everything today. Well, thank you for inviting me. Great being here. It's indeed a pleasure. Um, let me wrap up just with a couple of announcements. Um, first and foremost, to our sponsors who make this podcast Inspiration from Zion possible, the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. Um, certainly, if you're in the area and need something that a greenhouse would have, go get it from them. And if you're in the area and don't need something, just go give them a hug and tell them you heard the podcast and thank thank our good friends there for helping make this possible. And uh, and also our good friends, the Coin family, for their meaningful sponsorship. Uh, as all of our programs, Inspiration from Zion is made possible by donations. So I invite people to to visit us on the website, genesis123.co, and consider uh, consider making donation so we can continue this dialogue and building bridges together. Um, one thing that's special and specifically this week, I always like to invite people to share with us um, uh, special occasions that are going on in their lives. If they like, if anyone would like to sponsor an episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion in your life, um, also please be in touch with us. But this week I'm hijacking that with uh with personal privilege, we spoke, Pastor Mark, about the uh, biblical calendar. On the biblical calendar, this week is my father's yard site, the 25th anniversary of his death. So uh, he never really got to 25 years. It's a long time. He never really got to know me building bridges between Jews and Christians and, and seeing how much that enriches me as an individual and certainly as a Jew and having friends like you. Um, he'd be so inspired by that. So I'm just taking the personal privilege of mentioning my father and wow, 25 years is a long time. It is a lifetime and he's missed so much. But um, if you, if you're privileged to still have your father in your life uh, and your mother, go give them a big hug as well. That's uh, something we never ever can take for granted aside from the fact that it's biblical. Um, friends, this is a dialogue. Uh, please send questions, comments, in addition to conversations like this with, uh, with important Christian leaders about why Israel is significant. We also have a, a dialogue called Ask the Rabbi uh, to, to field any questions about Judaism. So please uh, don't ever hesitate to be in touch. Inspiration from Zion at gmail.com or genesis123.co. And um, I, I pray that we will continue to be able to bring you more meaningful conversations like this. Um, until next time, uh, thank you for following. Thank you for downloading and sharing this uh this podcast i pray that wherever you are that your you and all your loved ones uh remain safe and healthy and that god continues to bless you thank you and shalom Hallelujah.